You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to recap the last few games for the Jets. We're going to answer some questions that were posed to us on Twitter. And to wrap things up, we're going to take a look at the Lucic suspension. So for segment number one, Kyle, we're going to start with the last couple of games for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Since our podcast last week, uh, the Jets have played against the San Jose Sharks, the Golden Knights, and the New Jersey Devils. Where do you want to go? Kind of summarize the last few games for us. I mean, it's, it's been a pretty good week, um, considering everything that's happened. Three games, uh, the Jets picking up five out of a possible six points. Uh, pretty good, considering they played back-to-back on the road, um, San Jose, Las Vegas. Um, looking back at that San Jose game, the sole reason the Jets were able to win was Connor Hellebuck uh, setting a franchise record uh, for saves in a game, or I, I should say uh, Winnipeg. Since they came back, franchise record, I think uh, the Thrashers got peppered with shots a lot back in the day. Um, but anyways, Connor Hellebuck, the reason the Jets won that game, uh, and then kind of take, taking it into Vegas the next day, uh, just a really good comeback win by the Jets. Um, so overall, those two games on the road, uh, not too bad uh, considering the circumstances. And it was kind of interesting because when we did the podcast last week, Wednesday, we were kind of nervous being the Jets were going to have to call somebody up. And we actually kind of called it. And I, at first, my initial reaction was CJ Cease. And I was like, oh, man, are they really going to call him up? There's probably better options. But then that's exactly who they called up. He got his first NHL game in. And so congratulations for him. I read a really good piece on The Athletic that they put together about CJ Cease and finally getting into the lineup. And so good for him. The Jets were able to get the win, even though maybe they didn't play the greatest. And so they're are getting the points. and What's their motto this year? Stay in the fight? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they want to do. And, and you can look at that as a per-game basis. You essentially just want to hang around in games. It doesn't seem like the Jets are going to be blowing teams out of the water. So you just want to be hanging around. And that's exactly what they did against San Jose. You just kind of hang around. And then I think they scored in the final minute of that game. Nikolai either with the game winner. So you just want to hang around long enough to find your time to strike. Uh, kind of the same in the Vegas game. Although they found themselves down early, they didn't allow themselves to be totally out of the fight. So it, exactly like you said, they just kind of hang around, stay in it, and, and you never know what's going to happen in the third period. Now, I've been busy lately, having had a chance to watch a lot of the games, plus the ones on the West Coast started way too late for me. I was able to watch the entire game last night for the first time in a while, and so that was really nice to sit down and just watch the entire game. The Jets looked... I thought a little bit slow in the first period. They took some penalties and things uh, weren't seeming to go their way. It was good that they were able to kill those penalties off, and so that was encouraging. But then it seemed like they got better as the game went along. I thought they looked pretty good in the third period, and then they looked great, in my mind, in overtime. I thought they definitely deserved the win last night, or they definitely could have had it, but shootout's kind of a coin flip. At least they got a point. They didn't give up any late-period goals like we've seen them do before. I all in all, I thought despite the loss, it was actually a not too bad game against New Jersey last night. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of back and forth, and, and you like those types of games. I wouldn't say either team really had the upper hand uh, for really any more than a few minutes at a time. It was very much uh, back and forth. Uh, the Jets being outshot a little bit, outchanced a little bit, but not to an outrageous degree. Um, So I would say it was overall, like you said, a a fairly decent game for Winnipeg. The only other thing, because I know we have a lot of other stuff we want to talk about today, the only other thing I want to say about the last three games was Brian Little getting taking that puck off the head last night. Actually, there's two other things, but we'll get to the other one in a second. I just almost felt sick to my stomach after watching that play. I was nervous for him for sure. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, no, definitely a scary state. You never want to see that. And and the thing specifically with Brian Little is, um, remember a few weeks ago, he wasn't even playing. Uh, the reason why is due to a concussion uh, that he had during the preseason. So you never, ever want to see a guy who's been recently concussed, especially uh, taking a puck up in the head area. Just a scary sight to see. Uh, we actually learned as of this morning he got transported uh, to a hospital during the game, so they didn't waste any time taking him straight off the ice, straight to a hospital. Uh, I believe he had almost 30 stitches uh, put in to help uh, stop bleeding and stitch him up. So so hopefully he'll be back as soon as possible. Uh, it's always a scary situation. Our thoughts and prayers definitely with him and his family. And so one other thing I wanted to mention on a lighter note from last night's game, the phrase from Kevin Sawyer, as smooth as a dolphin, Kyle, you actually tweeted this out. It's always fun listening to Kevin Sawyer because you never know what he's going to say. Um, people argue about his analysis all the time, but one thing he is good for is those those little one-liners during a game uh, last night, it was smooth as a dolphin. Never heard that one before. That is hilarious. So random. Either way, we are going to be shifting gears a little bit. I've never actually felt a dolphins, dolphin, so I cannot verify whether or not uh, that is an accurate statement, but I can imagine anyway. Uh, coming up next, we're going to get to some uh, listener questions through Twitter. So we always put it out at the end of every podcast that if you have any questions or you want us to talk about something, hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. And so we put the question out last night during the game. Is there any topic or any subject you want us to cover uh, during the podcast today? And so we got a couple of tweets at us. These are the questions from FBSX1X or XIX. Can you do a show where you pretend it's 2021 and everything's all better? It's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, from John Boxer 66, the rise and fall of the Jets' defense. Uh, Ron Palmer wanted us to cover the top candidates for replace buff. Factors are cap space, expansion, protected list, and trade compensation. And so a couple of different questions, a couple of statements, things they want us to cover and go over, Kyle. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to go with when everything is all better, or do you want to kind of focus on the defense first? Uh, let's focus on the defense first, and then we'll get to everything all better. Okay, I think that makes most sense. And so let's start with the rise and fall of the Jets' defense because I think that would be a good place to start. So do you want to go first on that, or where do you, should I go first? Yeah, I can go first. I mean, it's interesting. Looking at the rise of the Winnipeg Jets' defense, and I would argue the rise um, happened since they essentially came back. Um, the kind of pinnacle maybe last season, maybe two years ago with Hellebuck's uh, Vesna season. But, but the rise came... Um, essentially out of out of drafting and, and Josh Morrissey and Jacob Trubo were the number one pairing um, for that time so when you're drafting and developing the Winnipeg Jets doing an excellent job with Morrissey and Truba that I mean kind of was the rise right Dustin Bufflin came over as as um, a player from Atlanta so that's that's fine um, but looking at some of those other guys Tyler Myers acquired via trade um, but generally, specifically Morrissey and Truba, you're building kind of through the draft. So that's kind of, in my opinion, the rise came from the draft and development uh, for the for the team. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And I think when you go back to those first few teams where the Jets came back, the defense was definitely a problem. You didn't know, is Bufflin a defenseman? Is he a forward? And I remember having those debates all the time. Where should they play him? Should they play him up front? He was not consistent as a defender. They had a lot of issues on the back end. No real leader there was I don't remember any 
all-star, true stud defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets. And so then once they moved Bufflin back, he definitely created a lot of uh, steadiness and leadership. And then guys stepping in, like you said, through draft and develop, Morrissey, Truba, and then bringing in Myers via trade. And I felt last year was kind of the pinnacle of the Jets' defense since they came back. With You had Bufflin and uh, Truba and Myers on the right side. You had three really good, and maybe not, not Myers as much, but three pretty solid right shot defensemen. You had Morrissey on the left side. You had guys that were able to come in like Sherratt and even Beaulieu and Niku at times. There was definitely some depth and some options on the left side, and I feel that was kind of the rise and then this last offseason, the fall, and it was a pretty abrupt fall, and you can go over that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear what happened, right? Uh, the Jets traded away Jacob Truba. Um, Neil Pionk actually has been very good since coming. So, I mean, was it a loss? Well, still, yes, Jacob Truba is an excellent defender, but Pionk's been pretty solid. Uh, the big ones for me, um, coming out of free agency, right? The Winnipeg Jets lost Tyler Myers for essentially nothing in free agency, uh, signing with Vancouver. The Winnipeg Jets losing Ben Chirot for nothing, signing with Montreal. Um even at that point, had the Jets been able to keep Pionk um, and just get rid of Myers and get rid of Sherratt, the Jets would have been okay. Uh, but obviously the huge blow, and we're going to discuss this a little bit more later on, uh, Dustin Bufflin not returning to the team. And, and that's the gigantic one. Even if you look at the current crop of Winnipeg Jets defense, and if you put Bufflin in that lineup, it's an instant game changer. That's the biggest one for me of, of essentially the fall of the defense. Yeah, no, I'm 100% right there with you. And, and you're right, Pionk isn't a straight-across for Jacob Trubon. So maybe even if you equate Pionk to maybe Myers' caliber, they have some offensive prowess, and there are some issues there too. But either way, I still think you're losing a high-end defenseman like Truba and a high-end defenseman like Bufflin. And so that's immediate two really big, valuable, big minute-munching defensemen. And so that's where the clear drop-off has been. And so then that kind of leads us... But the real issue is you lose your depth, right? And, and that's where Myers and Sherratt go because the Jets are struggling with their second and third pairings. And losing those two guys are, are essentially, it turned into massive just because of the lack of depth now that the Jets have. Right, and so now Poolman has to step up, and he wasn't really in the lineup last year. They had to get Potato off of waivers. Same thing with Dahlstrom and the other guys who've been stepping up. Thankfully, Beaulieu's been healthy, but Niku's been hurt this year. And so it's the fall also has to do with injuries. And then again, like you said, the lack of depth. And then generally depth will help you cover injuries, but then if you don't have that. And so that was one of the first questions. I think that kind of summarizes the rise and fall of the Jets' defense. And so now here we are looking for defensemen. And we've talked about this on the podcast already before, but we'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, the one next question coming in, top candidates to replace Bufflin, looking at cap space, expansion protected, uh, the expansion protected list, and trade compensation. So where do you go right now uh, if you're the Winnipeg Jets? So here, here's the problem. I mean, there's many problems. The main problem is we don't know what's going to happen with Dustin Bufflin. And well, we kind of do because he's not a... playing for the next four months. That we do know. Correct. We, 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 know, we know that. The, the problem, though, is that we don't know how the situation is going to play out specifically in terms of salary. Um, depending on how the NHL rules, depending on how things go, there might be salary implications with how this whole thing plays out, with the Jets maybe having to place him on IR, 
and then long-term injured reserve, um, we have no idea how this is going to go. And even if you read the CBA, it's hard to figure out how this is going to go because this is, this is an unprecedented situation. So for me, you can't go out and spend money to get a player because you don't know how the situation is going to play out at this point in time. And so now, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets roster, they clearly need help, but they're kind of handcuffed right now with this Bufflin situation. They don't really know how they're going to play it. I was listening to an interview today, and it was from TSN, where they were talking to a former player, or maybe a current player agent, and he was talking about the situation, and he was kind of of the opinion that you can't trust Bufflin anymore, because... He had talked about all of, he had said that he was fine in the exit interviews and everything was fine then. And then now he's saying he wants to retire, but actually there's an injury that's happened and there's an ankle issue. And what do you think about this whole situation? If Bufflin's, and like it looks like they're going to be going to arbitration, it seems very complicated. But what is your opinion of Dustin Bufflin right now? And would the Winnipeg Jets bring him back? I think, I think yes. Um, if he's healthy, there's no reason to to think he wouldn't return to the team. Well, this guy was uh, saying that he that, this guy was saying he basically lied to the team. He ba- lied about his injuries, saying he wanted to retire. He should have just been there and been on IR, and he should have been fighting with his team, and they would understand and all this kind of stuff. And well, uh, see, but, but but here's the thing: if he so if he goes to the team and reports and says, "I'm actually hurt." and then the Jets place him on IR, then what happens? Well, I think he doesn't then, get his salary because it was it took place in the offseason because he was fine in the exit interview, correct? Right. So so then you have salary implications. But the other thing is, then, uh, as far as I'm aware, as part of the CBA, you have to go... Uh, sorry, you have to do surgery and rehab according to team policies. It is my understanding. So Bufflin would not be able to go get his own surgeon. Bufflin would have to stay kind of a part of the team, would have to stay with the team doctors and rehab according to the team policy. Going his own way essentially means Bufflin can rehab however the heck he wants to. He can choose to go to any surgeon. He can choose to go to any physiotherapy. Uh, rumor was he was going went to a surgeon in Minnesota. Probably wouldn't have had that option had he join the team and just been on IR. So there's all these sorts of implications. Bufflin obviously wanted to do it this way for a reason. I'm extremely curious how much conversation Shevel Dayoff and Bufflin had about this if the Jets essentially said, you know what, it's better for everybody if we just suspend you and then you deal with it yourself. Like, the, the problem is we don't know how any of this actually played out, and that's why all this speculation is running rampant, and we have no idea what's actually going on. Yeah, so there's a lot of speculation, and the, this agent asserting <laughs> that you trade Dustin Bufflin with trust issues, I don't feel that there's going to be trust issues with people in the room. I, mean, I think most people well, are That's gonna... why I mentioned, like, if, if Shevel Dayoff and Bufflin had this conversation in September, there's no reason to believe there's any sort of trust issue at all. Bufflin says, hey... I, I really want the surgery on my own terms. I want to rehab on my own terms. Shevelyov says, you know what? If you're going to be out for eight months anyways, sure, why not? 
if that's what happened, there's absolutely no issue. There's no rift between the organization and Bufflin. But we don't know that, and that's a problem. But now if they are going to arbitration, you'd think they would have just sorted something like that out already. And then now with the NHL and everybody getting involved, it's kind of just a sticky situation with, I'm really not quite sure how this is all going to play out. Yeah, exactly. We don't know how it's going to play out at all. And, and that's just kind of the, for me, that's the biggest issue in a trade option is because there's so much unknown. You don't want to bring a guy back with tons of salary. Um, the issue becomes, what are you going to give up to get a player? The Winnipeg Jets trade chips are fairly limited. Um, if you're trading a, a prospect type player without salary, you're getting too much salary in return. And the Winnipeg Jets aren't going to be able to, or don't want to trade any player on their roster that currently has a salary because they need those guys in the lineup. So it leaves yourself in a sticky situation uh, for the Jets on what you would even give up if this were an option. And so now, but let's just take a look at that. And and the guy who uh, submitted the question, and I uh, really appreciate the question coming in. This one's from Ron Palmer. He's talked about cap space, expansion protected list, and a trade compensation. Does that come into your mind at all as far as... Um, what happens with, uh, does really expansion come into your mind at all right now when looking at a player to kind of replace Dustin Bufflin? No, I don't think so. And, and the reason why it doesn't is because uh, under last expansion rules, rules expected to stay the same. Uh, teams can keep or protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. Uh, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you know you're going to keep Josh Morrissey, but which other two defensemen do you want? Um you could argue that you don't really need to protect anybody else. I mean, at that point, probably Sammy Niku, um, maybe Neil Pionk, but whatever the situation is, I think the Jets can can look to move a defenseman um, for Dustin Bufflin and not really have to worry yet about those implications uh, a few years down the road. Right, and I'm right there with you because other than Morrissey and Dustin Bufflin, uh, maybe Niku, I really don't think you need to worry about that. And so if you protect Morrissey, and so then whoever the, the, they bring in via trade, I think would be covered in one of the three, and then you'd go and keep some of the extra forwards. Because you got a lot of forwards you want to keep. Wheeler, Connor, Lane, Shifley, Ehlers, those five, and then Little if you have to, that's six, and then either Lowry, Kopp, or Rozovic, you can go from there. But I think that's definitely, because last time the big conversation was 4-D, 4 4 or. Yeah, the four and four versus the three and seven. And so I think that's not really, I think, a part of the factor right now for the Winnipeg Jets bringing something in, or at least not right now. Still not, the draft won't be at the end of this next season or like this current one, but the year after. So we're still a ways away from the expansion draft. And so there hasn't been a lot of talk about that right now. But what do you think the Jets would have to give up if you're looking to bring in a defenseman of any caliber? Well, you're not going to get a defensive back of Dustin Bufflin caliber because trades like that don't really happen. Uh, I don't think the Jets are really looking for an absolute superstar in return just with their cap space and everything else. So I think the Jets are maybe looking for someone in the like a three or four defenseman range, like a guy who can play second pairing minutes, just more depth, but maybe some better depth, uh, a guy with a definite leg up on Spiza and Boteto, uh, maybe a guy similar to the, um, Neil Pionk, something of that caliber. Uh, in my mind, the Jets would probably start with Jack Roslevic. Um, probably. Um, I don't think the Jets really want to give up any defensive prospects because 
they're hurting for defense down the road. Uh, and as far as forwards go, you don't want to get rid of anybody in your top six guaranteed. Um, so I think Rozovic's kind of the odd man out, um, like he has been the last season. So, yeah, I definitely think Rozovic would be the odd man out in that scenario. But when you look at some of the other guys, I don't think Perot is going to get you much in return. I don't think Gustafson has played enough to really get you much as well, unless you're getting a prospect defenseman back. But I'm right there with you. You're, if you're kind of looking at the the third tier of players, or kind of like that second like second pairing defenseman, depending on how you want to go tiers, they if you go one tier is just the the cream of the crop, the three or like the five Norris candidates. Then there's like the top defensemen on each team, kind of in that second tier, and then that third tier down would be what second pairing defensemen. Is that kind of a fair statement? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, theoretically, there's 31 multiplied by two top pairing defensemen, right? So there's 62 top pairing defensemen in the NHL, right? And so right. Right. So, so then you're looking you're looking for somebody in the 62 to 124 range, uh, essentially, to get your second pairing caliber defenseman. I'd say that's a pretty fair statement. And so now, and you probably don't you probably don't want the worst. You probably don't want the best. So who's the 70th or 80th best defenseman in the NHL? Right. Like that's probably <laughs> not a huge price to get a guy like that um, for Jack Rozovic, and and potentially who knows what else. Well, exactly. And some teams that have a little bit more depth, you could get somebody maybe who's a little bit lower on their roster, but would be higher on yours. And so we're not throwing out any specifics today, but that's definitely something. And even if you don't want to give up Roslevic, I think for that tier of player, you can still go with somebody like Gustafson and a second round pick. Or maybe even if you do dangle out a first round pick, you could get somebody a little bit higher if you throw in like a Logan Shaw or David Gustafson. Maybe not Shaw, but somebody who's younger who still has potential up front to kind of just sweeten the pot a little bit. And then it's more of the pick and the prospect than just the straight. Because you can't give up any defensive assets right now. And I don't know how big a market there would be for Dustin Bufflin coming back from injury. And plus, he's got a modified no uh, he's got a modified no trade clause. And there's still so much stuff sorted out with him and his lower body injury. If you're looking for a replacement now, I think you got to go pick and a prospect or even guys like CJ Cease or even if you want to throw in Veselainen, I don't know if you want to do that, but Mason Appleton's probably there too. Exactly. There is a list of guys that I wouldn't be upset <laughs> seeing the Jets trade away if you're going to get somebody who can play a decent amount of minutes on that second pairing with Pionk or even move up to play top minutes with more just to kind of spread things out a little bit, at least help in the moment as we wait for uh, Hanala and some of those other guys. The real thing, though, is do the Jets want to make a big splash and trade away in Ehlers and something to get a really big defenseman? I just don't know if they see the. I just don't see the Jets doing something like that anytime soon. No, I would totally agree with you. Uh, you don't want to trade Ehlers. He's been your best forward this season. Uh, so far, he's been phenomenal. You don't want to trade Line, obviously, because nobody can score goals like him, even though he hasn't been. Um, you don't want to trade Connor. You don't want to trade those young guys. Um, I don't think, I mean, you can't trade Wheeler just because of his captaincy. How's that going to look in the organization, regardless of his poor play as of late? And then Mark Scheifele is your number one center. You, you can't replace him. So you're not trading anybody out of your your top five or six forwards. And that's kind of the issue. Um, 
you could trade Kyle Connor or a guy like that. He could probably get you a pretty good price. So maybe if you're looking to make a splash, I would say Connor or Line A or Ehlers um, and, and go from there. But I mean, that's kind of a far fetched notion in my mind. Yeah, I really don't see that one is going to be happening. And so then the last. <laughs> The last segment, we've talked about buff, we've talked about the rise and fall, cap space. Then the last thing we want to mention kind of in this, as far as uh, listener comments go, pretend it's 2021 and everything is all better. And so I, I'm not sure if he was just kind of kidding, but I think we should kind of, I think it would be kind of fun to look at this. So 2021 is already next season. Uh, hard to believe. I'd actually almost rather go 21-22 and go a little bit further out, but let's pretend it's middle next season, kind of where we are at the same point next year. What are we talking about at this point of the year? Yeah, so what are we talking about is our, our defense is is young, but up and coming. So I don't think the defense, defense is going to be better next year, but you look at Sammy Niku in the lineup, you look at Billy Hanel in the lineup, um, you look at some of those younger guys pushing up. I think the Winnipeg Jets defense doesn't necessarily look better but they look like they have tons more promise one year from today. Yep, I am right there with you. I think that's going to be the big story with Morrissey, because he's still 24. Pionk is also still 24. We have to keep that in mind. With those guys a year older, Kulikov gone. The Winnipeg Jets have brought in some help on defense. They've got somebody else back there helping those guys out. Niku and Hanala, like you said, look much better. The Winnipeg Jets are a lot more confident on their blue line. They brought in somebody via free agency in the offseason. And so we're a little bit more comfortable with what they have back there. Plus, up front, Wheeler has bounced back. The young guns are scoring. Uh, Paul Maurice, do you think we still have Paul Maurice next year at this time? Um, yes, I think we will. Do I want him to be here? Not necessarily, but I mean, given the organization's track record, I think he's still here. So Paul Maurice is still here. All these guys are playing better. They're stepping up. The Jets made the playoffs last year. They're like, this is, I'm talking already like it's next season. The Jets make the playoffs this year, maybe lose in the first or second round. Then in 2021, there's a little bit more optimism. The team's looking like it's finally starting to come together. People on Twitter are still ranting about the fact that the Jets aren't playing the lineup optimally that they would like. Paul Maurice is still against what a lot of people on Twitter are saying. He's seeing something completely different. So in a sense, I think we're still going to be here, but I think a lot of our uh, defensive issues could be resolved by then. And I think up front, I think it's going to be uh, looking pretty solid as well. So I'm hoping and at least hoping when he says everything's better on Twitter that I'm hoping by next year everything will be better than it is now. And right now it's not too bad. We are in a playoff spot. Okay, so for the last segment, Kyle, I quickly wanted to talk about the Lucci suspension. Did you see the hit? Did you see the play I'm talking about? I did. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what did you think of that hit? I, I wanted you to go first. I mean, I thought it was funny that the reaction from a lot of Flames fans was that um, they wanted Lucic suspended longer because he's been so detrimental to the lineup. For me, that was the funniest part. Um, but regardless of, of the jokes, um, I think it's a little bit... The hit itself is just ridiculous. Um you know guys jab at goalies all the time. It, it happens. Um, and then to have a guy behind the net not really ready for it, skating away. You could tell he's not ready to engage in any sort of physical nature. Lucci just comes up and essentially just punches him right in the face. Um, totally ridiculous. 
he deserves a suspension. It's not needed at all. See, I am 100% opposite of you, and I knew we would probably get fired up on this last segment, and I wish we had more time to talk about it. I don't think he should get a suspension at all. Those punches happen every game in those scrums around the net. Guys get pissed off that the other team touched their goalie. They punch each other in the face. It happens literally every game. Are we going to start suspending every single player who punches another player in the face? He's looking right at Lucic. It's not a sucker punch. If you jab at a goalie, you should expect to get some kind of whack or retaliation. The guy doesn't put his hands up, nothing. He's looking right at Lucic as Lucic comes in after him and punches him. If the guy would have stayed on his feet, it would be nothing more than a two-minute roughing, and we would not be talking about this right now. I think Lucic right, would... So, so if, if the guy was ready for it and takes a punch, no suspension, right? The guy should be ready. The guy's a rookie, okay, and, so, and he so, knocked him okay, over. Okay, that's fine. But So then do you say that same logic in every single bad hit? The guy should have been ready for the hit. So it shouldn't have been a boarding penalty because he should have been ready. He shouldn't have put himself three feet away from the boards to get run straight into the numbers into the boards. No, that's different because you don't see it coming. You don't know there's somebody coming to hit you. I don't think so. This guy's looking right at Lucic. He's Milan Lucic. You just hit the goalie. What do you think is going to happen? You're looking but, right but, at him. It's yeah, not but, like. But what did he do? Did he did he jab at Riddick? Yes. Did he, did he really? Yes. He, he I, had I, one little poke, right? I saw the replay. He jabbed at Riddick's, so, like, at so his pad, his hands. what happens after one little poke, right? There's a guy a scrum. comes up. He'll usually grab you by the jersey. Like, okay, like, whatever. Usually not a punch being thrown. That's a little bit ridiculous. Cross-checks, punches, whacks. It happens yeah, all see, the you time. Yeah, you see a whack. You see a little cross-check, but you don't see a punch to the face. All the time. Brendan Lemieux punched one of the Winnipeg Jets players right in the face. Knocked him over. Do you remember that play a couple weeks ago? Uh, a little bit. He punched him in the face. He punched him in the head. He got a two-minute roughing because it was after the whistle. It was kind of at a scrum. And again, the play, the way the play was whistled down, he poked the goalie. The guy, Lucic, comes over, punches him. Exactly like Brendan Lemieux, but because it's Lucic and because of the scenario, he gets a two-game suspension. I think it's just ridiculous. Like the but, player, but, shouldn't, but should it not also go on previous suspensions history? To a degree, but I'm just saying every time this happens now, the player should get suspended. It should be an automatic two game. But to me, it shouldn't be a suspension at all because it happens all the time. He kept his gloves on. The guy was looking at him. If Lucic punched him when he wasn't looking, if he did something malicious and just like started throwing at him when he was on the ground, yeah, suspend him. I mean, he did. He punched him in the face. The guy fell over. He jumped on him and tried to punch him in the face again. But it didn't really. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. It didn't really happen, though, did he? But if Lucic had just hit him once, skated away, whatever. But it, it also was the fact that he literally jumped on him with four guys surrounding him trying to pull him off, and he tried to keep going at him. Like the, In my mind, that's where the big issue comes in. Like, the one hit, like, Brendan O'Neill, one punch, okay, whatever. It still should warrant, for sure, a penalty. Maybe some more things if it's um, totally catching a guy unawares, not ready for it. But then if you jump on the guy and try to hit him again, I think that's where the real issue comes in. See, to me, the guy wasn't uh, unawares. Like, you should I mean, put... He was because he, he didn't do anything to defend himself. So he had to be unaware. He's looking right at Lucic. He just hit he the goalie. He wasn't expecting it. But if he was expecting it, he would have he would have blocked it or, or, or done something, tried to get out of the way. I just think it's ridiculous suspending somebody for something like that that's just so small that happens all the time when nobody else is getting that same thing. 
When was the last time you saw a gloved punch get suspended for two games? I mean, I've seen some pretty ridiculous suspensions, so. Like, for some, like, for the big hits behind the boards that are super dangerous, yeah. I don't know. Well, we've seen, we've seen suspensions for guys flinging sticks, like Adam Lowry last year flung his stick as he was skating away from a guy and got multiple games, right? See, that's dangerous. So, like, there's more dangerous. Oh, and punching a guy in the head is not dangerous, and then jumping on him is not dangerous. Not as dangerous as some of the wax and cross checks. When you're six and twice the size of them. When to you're sta- me, that's just as dangerous. When you're standing in front of the net and you take a cross check to the lower back, what's more dangerous to somebody? When you're swinging your stick, like, that's a dangerous piece of equipment. And somebody throwing a gloved punch after somebody r- messed with your goalie is getting a suspension, and some of the slashes and some of the wax to non-protected parts of the body aren't getting suspensions or even looked at. I don't know. I just get fired up, but I know you got to go, and so I think that's going to wrap things up there. Anything else you quickly wanted to add? No, I mean, I think we're, we're both in agreement that the, the issue is there's no real consistency, right? And yeah, I think that's part of it. You either have to do it every time or, or you do it none of the time, so when you pick out one like this, was it that much worse than Lemieux a couple weeks ago? Probably not. But given the guy's history, the NHL decides to try and make an example. And I think that's the issue is that they're not consistent on these cases, um, like you said, because stuff like this happens literally all the time. Right, and I'm more on the rough side of things. I prefer the rough stuff more than you do, and so I think that's also where some of our differences lie. But if you do want us to talk about this or other suspensions or other things, hit us up on Twitter. We are the at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.